Engage 2022 is SDI's first hybrid annual conference. This means it can be experienced in person in Santa Fe, as well as digitally through live apps and recordings. Engage 2022 is about deep listening and the lasting change it can create. It is about engaging with our shadow to find light, and it is about bridge building in the service of love fostering engagement. Keynote presenters include Dr. Cornell West, Valerie Kaur, Father Greg Boyle, and more. Register now for SDI's 2022 annual conference at sdicompanions.org. Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast on spiritual direction and spiritual companionship. I'm Matt Whitney. Thank you for listening. Learn more about our work and the work of spiritual direction and spiritual companionship on our website, sdicompanions.org. We are delighted to announce the latest book release from SDI Press, written by SDI's poetry editor, former coordinating council member, and dear friend, Jennifer Jinx Hoffman. It's called The Light of God's Shadow, Musings, Stories, and Poems on Waking Up. Jinx is a longtime spiritual director and psychotherapist who, through her writing, encourages us to listen for the divine daily call to wholeness in our relationships and work, our joys and dreams, our messes and triumphs, our losses and grief. She reminds us that through earthy, vulnerable, and humorous musings, stories, and poetry, that waking up is a lifetime endeavor. In this book, we accompany Jinx on her journey through radiant and dark shadow, and we learn with her from the wisdom of her teachers. We grow in understanding and in our bodies, hearts, and souls. That when we welcome our vulnerability and strength, we heighten our humanity and heal our souls. By becoming kinder and more compassionate with ourselves and with one another, we keep waking up and we bring healing to the world. In this podcast episode, we play an interview between Jinx and her friend and spiritual companion, Diane Millis. To learn more about the book, please visit our website, sdicompanions.org. Well, my friends, it's my immense pleasure and honor to introduce uh, our newest release from SDI Press, The Light of God's Shadow. And I gather today with the author, Jennifer Jinx Hoffman, who many of us know and love as Jinx. Yes. So, yes. So while many of us uh, know Jinx or know of her work as the poetry editor for Presence or her service for many years on the Coordinating Council, I'd like to meet us today or meet her today uh, with a beginner's mind, as if we are meeting you, James, for the first time. Because for many readers, it is going to be their first time encountering you through this book. So I'll begin with a formal introduction, which is Jinx was born in South Africa 
And for over five decades, she's now lived in Canada. She began her professional career as a speech therapist and has since moved into both psychotherapy and spiritual direction. She is a poet. She has published poetry in a number of places, and you will find her first book, which is a collection of her poetry. Her first book is entitled, It's All God Anyway. Today, we're here to celebrate the release of her second book. And um, I think one other thing I want to make sure to add, and you'll read more about, is in addition to the new baby that she's holding on to, she is a wife, a mother of three sons, and a grandmother of how many grandchildren, Jinx? 19, Diane. 19 grandchildren and 12 great-grandchildren. And 12 great-grandchildren. I do remember all their names. Oh, my. So people ask me that, and I do. All right. So a very generative person and a creative person and uh, a person who I think more than anything, you refer to yourself as the, a devotee of waking up. And you wake up through reading, you wake up through writing, you wake up through walking and working with your dreams and paying attention to your daily messes and triumphs. And so this whole business of waking up, what, what are you inviting us to awaken to in this book, Jinx? You know, Diane, Jung said life goes better with consciousness. And waking up, I guess, is just another way of saying becoming conscious. Uh, I remember when I was training to become a psychotherapist, one of the trainers who was a very fine psychiatrist said to me at that time, if we are awake, 5% of our waking day, that's a lot. And I remember being astounded. And he introduced me then to the idea, which still feels true to me, that we are awake very little, that we most of the time walk through our days somewhat unconscious, in a semi-conscious state. But to be intensely awake is a very, very unusual state of consciousness. And, and yet one that we read uh, can be cultivated, can be developed, can be expanded. Oh, yes. And, you know, most of the meditative um, practices are around being present and waking up most of spiritual life, I think, is in some way about being conscious. Because when we are conscious, when we're awake, we have choices about what to do in the moment, Diane. Like if I pay attention in this moment, if I try to be awake in this moment, I have to kind of just step back a little and go inside a little and check and i what do i find i find myself 
a little tremulous. I find myself close to what I call my God tears. And what I call my God tears are my sense of the presence of the divine. When I have those tears, it feels like my body soul is saying to me, you know, yes, God is here. I believe God is here now because God is everything all of the time. Mm -hmm. so it's not like God's just walked into the room in Marco Island and this was Diane and Jinx. But I am aware of God's presence when I have those tears. And why have they come right now? I think it's because you're my friend and I love you. And um, we're sitting together and we're both devoted to waking up. So that makes me even more tearful. So. Well, Jinx, it's, I'm aware of what an honor it is to celebrate this moment with you. And just for the sake of full transparency, you and I have been meeting and sharing monthly conversations for six, seven years, mm -hmm. uh, uh, both as you were working on your first book and throughout the years you've been working on this second book. So in, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to read one of the poems or the musings of the, or the stories from this book. I'd love for you to share one of your favorite. Um, but before we go there, I vividly remember in these past months as this book was getting ready for publication, there's always the big decision around what's the best title. And that's worked out in cooperation with the publisher. And so there's, there's a story about this title and, and there's a story you kept sharing with me about the light of God's shadow rather than the light in God's shadow. And that preposition holds great meaning for you. So would you tell us a bit about this title and the, the meaning it holds for you? Because I think it'll become apparent as the readers move through the book, but just to get a sense of the distinctive understanding this book will offer. Tell us about the light of God's shadow. Well, as you said, I listen for the divine in a multitude of ways. And I would say for me, my most important, the most important way God nudges me and by nudge, I mean nag and talks to me is through my dreams, because uh, most else my conscious mind is involved in. I can think about things and I can, I can interpret my life and I can read and my conscious mind is involved in guiding the, in part what's going on. But with my dreams, they come to me entirely objectively. They're, some would say I'm creating them. Um, I don't believe I'm creating my dreams. I believe they are gifts from the divine. And I've had extraordinary dreams over the years, and there are really countless examples of dreams in the book. Mm -hmm. yes. um, I sometimes get what I call telegrams from God. 
And one of my telegrams was a two-word telegram, riding shotgun. And when I reflected on riding shotgun, it was a really fascinating perspective on, I'm not driving the bus. I'm riding shotgun. I'm on the, in the passenger seat. So my dreams are hugely important to me. And I always invite my people to bring their dreams for our work together. Um, so this dream, which was originally the light of God's darkness, arrived. It arrived, the light of God's darkness. And it was very powerful and very luminous. And I thought, I wonder if I should call the book The Light of God's Darkness. Now, the book has had many, many, many different names. But the one name that stuck with me and with my beloved editor, Emily, was The Light of God's Darkness. And when I sent it in to Spiritual Directors International, for possible publication, it was called The Light of God's Darkness. And I got a beautiful email back from Seifu Simarale, Reverend Seifu, saying, we'd love to publish your book. How do you like the title, The Light of God's Shadow? And I said, brilliant. Because there's a slight difference between mm -hmm. shadow and darkness. And again, as you said, Diane, it wasn't the light in God's darkness. It was the light of God's darkness. And as I've lived through two and a half very challenging years about which I write in the book, I found I needed to be in very, very dark places. I needed to stay with the fact that I had cancer and feel all my feelings around that and have all my thoughts around that. I needed to be aware of what COVID and racism were doing to the world. For example, it was very important for me not to look for the light. There are times it's a really good idea to look for the light. It's healthy spiritually. But there are times when darkness is holy. And I needed to be with the darkness. And each time I stayed and stayed and stayed with the darkness, many times I felt I had no choice. At some point, it turned into light. The darkness was light. You see, in my deepest belief, Diane, everything and its opposite are true. We, you and I, are kind and we're also unkind. We're both patient and impatient. And I'm choosing two gentle qualities. But everything about us and about every human being and about the divine, I believe the opposite is also true. And I continue, I'm so grateful because as a Christian and I'm a person, uh, Catholic by tradition, I learned so much about Judaism and Jewish spirituality. 
and Jewish understandings of the divine. Uh, and the, the Hebrew words, I'm so, this, that all of this is contained within the divine, um, is, is not something that's expressed very often in, in Christianity. And so both through your poetry and through your stories, you return to this. You return to the reality of all of this commingles in the divine. God is at work in it all. And in fact, you go on to make, if, if I may, one of my favorite passages from the book is uh, at the end of chapter three, you, you talk about in Kabbalah, where we learn that the divine's always evolving. You go on to say that our consciousness is trying to become aware of itself. And God needs us to help God wake up. Now, that's very provocative theology. I just love the thought that there's this participation at such a profound level with the divine. Oh, I really believe every single moment now included is uh, existence is happening right now. Creation is ongoing right now. God is, to use a word I love, God is guarding right now. God is guarding in you and in me. And the more conscious we are, the less damage we're likely to do, Diane. And the more likely we are to act for the good. There's a, a, a Hebrew a Jewish consciousness called Tikkun Olam which is about simply express the healing of the world. And I talk a lot in the book about tikkun ha-nefesh in the service of tikkun ha-olam. And that means the healing of our souls in the service of the healing of the world. Every time we work on ourselves, become a little more conscious, which doesn't mean getting rid of, because we can't get rid of what I call our schmutz. Mm -hmm. Schmutz means messiness. Mm -hmm. But we become conscious of, conscious of who we are rather than who we want to be. Each time we become more conscious and can work to, say, contain our nasty sharp comment i want to be sarcastic in this moment i am so peeved i would love to make a nasty comment i am not going to i understand why i want to that person was really mean to me i'm talking obviously not about now dearest diane the consciousness gives me choice and so I don't and the more I heal my soul while recognizing I have nastiness too the more I help God heal because God God in Jewish mysticism is evolving just as we are that God too is Guarding and and in creation, but Diane, you asked me to read one of my favorite poems, yes. and I I want to read one that's 
really for me about the light of the dark. Ah, oh, please, please. Where will we find that in the book? First of all, so uh, this, this poem is in chapter seven. Okay. And it I wrote it when I was going to the hospital for radiation treatment for my cancer. So it's called Down to the Bone. All but the conifers are bare now. Skeleton trees, sentinel on my daily drive. Everything reduced to its essence. No verdant grasses, poppies or lilacs. A gloom of monotone sky. And the few stragglers walking dogs on icy sidewalks. The Honda hums tunelessly as I crank up the heat on my way to the hospital. These winter days, I am paired of all I am used to. I've learned to manage the preparation, several slow sips of water until I'm ready for the radiation that will soon be poured into my weary body. I have come to like the small retreats into muffled quiet, the drive to the hospital, returning to our softer home, the open spaces in my days. Time does what it does when you pay attention. The snow and the still, pointing to moments of translucency, despite this dark winter of my life. You must be counting the days, people say, till the chemo and radiation are over. I smile. I am not counting anything. My suffering having shot me through into the here and now. Hollowed out by tenderness, I think of the others in the cancer center, so much worse than I. The trembling hands, hairless heads, haunted eyes. Visualize white light, they say, destroying your tumor. I smile, having no need to visualize anything. I see a woman wearing a hijab. She pushes an empty stroller while her tiny girl, wearing a white angora sweater and harlequin tights, totters unsteadily behind her. Good walking, I say. The girl smiles. The mother shines and replies. She's 18 months. I think of the Hebrew symbol for 18, five, which means life. She was born at home, at old bone, the mother says, two months preemie at this hospital. And now she's perfect. Mm. Jake says you read. Thank you, first of all. Thank you. And as you read that poem for us, where did you notice the God tears emerging? You know, I remember the experience 
vividly when I was reading Diane. I was walking in the corridor um, at the hospital, actually going to visit my friend who was in the hospital too. And feeling a tiny bit sorry for myself, which was okay because in my way of being, all feelings are okay. And I saw exactly what I've described and I was arrested. And the darkness became light. I didn't look for anything, but there was the light of God's darkness right there in that mother. I am Jewish. She is Muslim. We were sisters for that moment and her tiny girl born preemie or bone was walking perfectly behind her. The, the gift of the God tears is when you notice what moved you so deeply. It invites all of us to savor that yet again and move more deeply into the experience. Thank you. Thank you, Diane. Thank you. Jinx, may I invite us to turn now? Because I think uh, a lot of folks uh, listening or viewing may be curious about the writing process itself. Uh, and uh, I forget who it was that said all of us have at least one book in us. And I know your dream since the time you were a little girl was to write at least one book. And now you've gone over and above with this second. Um, I think you've heard me say before about the best advice I ever received as a writer from one of my mentors. And he said, Diane, when you go to write something, you don't figure out what to say and then write it down. You discover what it is you want to say through the writing. And I've had the immense pleasure of being with you these past three, four years as you've been given, giving birth for, for, as you've been giving birth to this second book. And would you be willing to share with us one of those things that you discovered through the writing that you didn't necessarily foresee at the beginning? Well, I'll do a tiny bit of background. Sure. Um, when I finished my first book, I thought, that's great. My dreams come true. Now I can stop thinking about a book. And I found myself being drawn to deeper and deeper into Jewish mysticism. And I found just quite naturally, I was studying a group of six people. And there are six teachers of Jewish mysticism in this book who have companioned me through this whole process. And somehow I thought, oh, hell, I guess I'm supposed to write another book of poetry. But then the bosses, which is one of my names for God, um, and my friend Diane and my friend Emily, who is also my editor, said, you have to write prose too. 
And I kept saying no. But as as people will discover when they read the book, Diane, I, I went into a period of tremendous trouble for over two years. And I've referred to some of it already, the cancer and the COVID and what was going on in the world and the political climate, and there's more. And I found actually that if I just kept listening to what my insides were saying to me and writing them down, I managed the trouble, my feelings of intense distress and confusion um, and what some people have named a dark night, I managed them and could live my life fairly, fairly decently. So I discovered that I had to keep showing up to the writing and that it would tell me what I needed to know. I would say it took three years of being in this process until I really understood what the book was going to be about. So what did I learn? I learned about faithfulness. I learned about riding shotgun. I am not in control, but I need to listen. I need to do what I'm told. I learned about surrender. Uh, one of the dreams in my book, which is one, I've had a few really dramatic dreams that Jung called big dreams. And I will share this one with you, although you know it. This is the dream. I am riding alone. I am rowing alone to an island on God's holy day, the 13th, to plant seeds of uncertainty and unknown. I am rowing alone to an island on God's holy day, the 13th, to plant seeds of uncertainty and unknowing. And that dream, in many ways, was the most important message the book gave me. I, I really sort of thought I knew stuff. And the book taught me how little I know. And I'm still, I think I still, not I think I know I still make the mistake of thinking I know. And I have to keep waking up to, I need always to be planting seeds of uncertainty and unknowing. So I think those would be my answer to your question, Diane, your lovely question. And James, as I think back to the four or more years ago as this project began, certainly there's always uncertainty and unknowing in each of our lives. But in the world at large, there was a very prophetic aspect to that dream as well. We would not have foreseen the types of uncertainty and the unknowing and the conditions that would be facing us as a global community. Um, so I, I'm so grateful for your fidelity to this project. I, as you know, I was 
quite intrigued with the seeds of these six. And maybe it's because I identify so strongly as a teacher. Um, but you told me about this project. You told me about your six, these teachers of Jewish mysticism. And we won't reveal their names now because everybody's going to the, the big reveal is in the book and you'll learn about the six. And uh, one of the beautiful ways you'll learn about the six is not through an explication of their theology or their understanding of mysticism. You'll learn about the six through the experience of being an invite, invited into an encounter. And the encounter is through each of the poems, isn't it, Jinx? That each poem begins with an epigraph taken from one of these six wisdom figures. Um, so I was very intrigued that, first of all, you followed, as you say, you refer to one of the ways you name God is as the boss. That's an image you have for God. Uh, and that's always delighted me. Uh, um, and so you listened to the boss and the boss wanted these six. And so you began by being in communication with these six. Oh, yeah. And then you discovered that the six knew one another and they had this community uh, among them. And so you entered into a relationship. And so that in and of itself is uh, another beautiful gift of this book. Um, and I know I said to you, and, and I'll say it so everybody can listen, because I'd like to invite us all into this, is I think each of us, especially those of us who have been trained in spiritual direction, have our six. We probably have more than six. We have six teachers whose books, whose teachings have shaped us. And then we have the wisdom figures in our lives that um, maybe have never written books but their wisdom is indelible. For many of us, it might be a grandparent. It might have been a grade school teacher. Um, but I, I think your book, another invitation it extends to wake up to is who, whose thought has gifted us? Whose wisdom has gifted us? And mm -hmm. to be on the lookout for that. So um, I, I hope at some point as this book is released, we can meet again and, and invite others into a conversation around the, those whose wisdom has had an indelible, indelible influence on them. Because I think this is a really important, um, this is a really important dimension of our lives to name and claim is the wisdom we're given. So um, I would like to talk a bit more, you, you talk about God as the boss. You also think about God. It's, it's very interesting. There's these, this, this wide range of divine activity in the way God's at work in your life. And so you've got God is the beloved for whom you are asking often, what now, my love? And you've got God as the boss. Would, would you say more about some of those image, images? Because I know for those of us in spiritual direction, we're always inviting our directees to come to greater consciousness of their God images and to expand those. So I think your book is going to help us to do that. Say more about some of what those images for you, Jinx. It's interesting, Diane, because when you were talking, I thought, oh, I really want to say something about my 
favorite name for God. Ah, and then yes. beloved. I, mm -hmm. I call God beloved most of the time. And um, in Jewish mysticism, there are 72 names for God. Mm -hmm. so I haven't got 72 names for God, but I got a lot. Um, mostly, though, uh, beloved. In one of my poems, I'm very angry at God, and I and I call God, hey, you, and I almost curse at God. I'm so angry. Um, that poem is called a Savage, a Lament. I do not have it handy, so I won't go looking for it. What I've noticed in my time in this wonderful ministry of holy listening and spiritual direction is that capacity for unknowing has grown. And I think if that's not growing, if our sense of knowing isn't diminishing and our sense of unknowing isn't growing, I don't know if we're in the right line of, of um, encounter. Um, yes, yes. So I, I appreciate the way you keep giving us permission to surrender, to claim, perhaps even to celebrate the uncertainty and unknowing. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So I'm wondering, uh, as we begin to wrap up, and, and I'd love to continue, because one thing I can attest to is when you say you're always listening uh, to the divine, I don't know that we've ever shared a conversation where you haven't stopped to pause, to say, let's pause, let's pray, let's listen together. That is a consistent thread in every meeting I've shared with you. And the fruits of that are, are evident both in your sessions with folks, in your conversations with friendship, and in the many stories you tell in this beautiful book, this, this deep, deep listening um, and, the, and the capacity to, to tell it all, to tell it all. So what do you most hope, Jinx, that readers will receive from this book, both those of us who are trained as spiritual directors and those of us who are not that will be interested in the wisdom they they can glean from this? What do you most hope readers will receive? Well, I didn't write it because I thought I had wisdom to offer. I wrote it because I was pretty dying and I needed to stop dying. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know actually the answer to your question, but I will be quiet and see if anything arises. Let's do that. Yes. I don't know, to tell you the truth, Diane. I hope people will laugh, because mm -hmm. I do make fun of myself a lot. Uh, I hope they will cry, because I tell some sad stuff. And I hope they will be drawn deeper in towards their own souls, I guess, and hear from their own inner divinity, what their gods or whatever they call their deepest wisdom, have in mind for them. I guess that's my answer. 
one of the lessons, another one of the lessons I have learned from you is you often talk about the power of one. And I believe this is fundamental to Jewish spirituality as well. If you can have an impact, you know where I'm going with this, Jinx. Would you, would you underscore that for us, please? Well, actually, Judaism was also a very community-based religion. And in Orthodox Judaism, you cannot pray unless you're in a group of 10, uh, which means you've got to be in a group. And, um, you know, Judaism is all, a lot about outreach. So that's also true. Yes. But what you're referring to is... Um, in the Torah, it says, save a life and you save the world. And I think that's what you're referring to. If you help one person very deeply, help one person very deeply, uh, you have saved the world. And now I'm getting my continues. Diane, this has been so beautiful. Thank you so much. Jinx, it's, it's such an immense pleasure. Um, I want to celebrate this work with you. I look forward to continuing this conversation. I look forward to overhearing the conversations other in our community will be sharing about your work. Uh, and, and I just like to connect this now as we conclude. You know, our theme for this year's conference is Engage. Uh, and I'd like to, if I had the power, you know, I'm a teacher, so I like to give little homework assignments every so often. And uh, I just love to assign all of us, both those attending the conference and, and those of us who are unable to this year to, to read this book uh, in advance of our gathering, because I do believe it will awaken you to the many ways in which you can engage more fully with our world and with our world on its terms, not ours. I think we all have grand ideas with the way we prefer to engage and the world we'd love to be living in, but we've got the world we've got and we've got, we're always discerning, right? How to heal ourselves in service of the tikkun alum, healing and repair of the world. And I think this book, uh, is just such a great uh, a resource to have as we move deeper into that theme of engagement. So, so that shall be my plug. And um, I hope for our next conversation, Jinx, we'll be reflecting on your experience as this book is being released into the world. Uh, what are you hearing from its readers? What I'd like to just say, in, in addition to what you said, which is great, Diane, the world on its terms, yeah. not on our terms. Shadow. Shadow simply means that of which we are unaware. Aware. Mm. That of which we are unaware. So our own shadow are those aspects of our own psyches of which we are unaware. So the more we know ourselves mm -hmm. as we are, not as we want to be. You said the world as it is, not as we want the world to be. Mm -hmm. Ourselves as we are, not as we want to be. The more we know ourselves, the more we know the world, the more grounded we are in what is real, 
not what we want, the more we can do for the good. So really aiming to what you say, Diane. And that's really the, for me, the primary focus of engagement is engaging with that shadow, right? As it is, yes. Yeah. Um, Jinx, thank you. I also wanna thank, we, we both know um, that many hands make a book like this possible. And so I wanna thank, yes, you've had a wonderful editor. Would you like to just um, do a shout out to, to the person who served as your editor? Well, I have three, editors, three shout outs. Okay. Emily Richland, my prose editor, um, with whom the, the book was really born. And my two magnificent poetry editors, Jason Rennick and Kathy Smith Bowers, both of whom are so who are so different from one another. Can you imagine having three people helping you with a book and three, God bless them, Christian people? helping me write a book on Jewish mysticism. Well, it's not really on Jewish mysticism, but there's lots in it. And I just love that irony. So Jinx, in addition to the terrific team of editors with whom you have the privilege of working, we also want to offer a big shout out to the team at SDI who has made this book possible. It takes many hands and many hours to give birth to a book such as this. And so I'm wondering if you'd like to um, speak, speak those names so that the rest of us can also share in your gratitude for their contribution. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Um, so I'd like to, to say uh, Reverend Seifu Singarale, um, he said, yes, I want this book. That's, that started the whole thing. We want this book. So Reverend Seifu and Matt Whitney, the creative guy who's just magnificent, whose cover, the book, who has done the cover for the book, I mean, worked with Matt a lot, and Anne Lancaster, who helped in the design and layout of the book, and Rory Brisky, who's handling a lot of the details of the sort of practical stuff. And everybody has been so kind to my endless nudging questions and helpful and generous. Uh, I couldn't have asked for a nicer experience. And soon you'll be working with Stephen Crandell as well, with the director of content as this book is promoted and released. Yes. Oh, yes. it's wonderful. And I know Stephen well, because we do a lot of poetry work together, um, you know, as poetry editor and director of content. So Stephen and I are old buddies. So that's great. There are so many um, differing needs from the creative and the content and the marketing and the release. And so many folks to thank. Um, I'm, I'm very, very grateful that we now have this publishing arm so that we in our community can continue to, to, to share and learn and grow from one another's writing. So Jinx, congratulations. 
um, as your birth, as the birth of this book moves into the world, I look forward to following it around with you. Thank you, Diane. Blessing. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your favorite app. You could give us a like or even write us a review. Thank you for listening. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.